Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger. It's Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker, and our most special, Harav Nissen, joining us. What a schuss to be on. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your question or comment. So we are going to start with our first caller, Mrs. H. H, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, Okay, my question is, I'm a teacher for first grade girls. And I have one student that she has behavior issues. She she gets there. Can you just say it again? You're a teacher for which girls? First grade. First grade, yes. Yes, and she has. Um, I have one student that has behavior issues, and she gets therapy. She and she has like real severe behavior issues. She could stand up middle of class, walk around, touch my stuff, and like these kind of, these kind of things. Um, she I don't know if she has any diagnosis, but she gets therapy. Um, I spoke to the mother, and she in the beginning she was okay with it that I should talk to the therapist. But the next uh, I spoke to her, and the next morning she called me and she said that she spoke to the girl, she spoke to this kid, and she and she asked her if she could ask the teachers if she how she behaves in class. So the kid answered, the English teacher you can ask, and the Yiddish not. I'm the Yiddish teacher, and the English teacher is very strict, so she's afraid. So the mother called me and she said that she sees that she could work with a girl, with this kid, and that she's going to tell her to behave and she's going to behave, so she doesn't want her to talk to the therapist. And today was the first day of school after I spoke to the mother, and the girl was, she was much better. Like I would say the first third of the day she was like 100% behaved, and like the last third of the day she was, what she did with stuff that she always did, she called out and I would and then we then we went when we went down to lunch she pushed other girls. I would say like she okay, was twenty. Great, great. Now we got into now more details and I thought, what is your question? I like going backwards. What's your question? My question is that when I came home to... that today when I came home the, I saw the mother called me three times and she left him she left me a message that that um, she wants to know if the girl behaved so if she could give her the prize. So my question is what I should answer her because the girl, she was better, but she didn't behave 100%, but I don't think really I could expect from her to behave 100%. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go take is, like, your what question now. The mother. What? Well, let's so go my question ahead and is take what your I question. Answer for the mother. I, I really, really appreciate this question because it shows you the complication when we do therapy and the step that's very important that's needed to see success. And let me share with you what I mean by that. First of all, just to announce the number, for those of you who would like to call in and ask your question or comment, it's 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Let's understand your question. Your question is you're a teacher. You're doing some work with this girl, right? You're working on her that she should be behavioral. You're hoping that whatever is happening in school or with a the therapist should be able to carry over and she should behave at class. The therapist is working on her. And the therapist is trying to do some behavioral tools, maybe train the mother a little bit, but work with her. Now, someone promised her a prize if she behaves well. It might be the therapist. It might be you. Now, the girl did improve, which means she did do better than in the past, but none of this communication is being centralized. means we're not having one person to say, this is what we agreed on when we speak to her, for when we spoke to her. For example, what 
is the commitment. What, how much better does she have to do? Does it have to be a lot better? Does it have to be sometimes better? Is the therapist knowing that day one worked out? Maybe usually you don't give a gift after one day, or you give a little reward for those that do behavioral system more, but you wait after three days. So when will she get the gift? After one day, after three days. What is normal or to expect of the girl from a one-day therapy? Do we assume that it was the first couple of hours that was good, and then at the end of the day it was harder? But the tomorrow, the next day again, the first half of the day will be good, or the first two-thirds of the day will be successful in the last third. Or do we see the other way around? She was only good the first two-thirds of today, but the last third she wasn't good. Comes tomorrow morning, she won't be good at all. Now it's getting even more complicated. Now, if you don't give her the gift, let's say, because she might not have been as good or what was agreed upon, and then she doesn't behave, now you're going to start, they'll stop blaming the teacher. It's the teacher's fault. She didn't keep to her commitment. But it wasn't clear. The goals weren't clear. The communication between the teacher and the therapist aren't clear. And that is why when there are more than one or two or three people involved, you need to have a case manager. It could be the therapist. It could be the teacher. It could be the parent. But you need to have a conference or you need to know what's happening. I had today a conference with a maggot chair that's in charge of a bacher because he is the case conference. He's running it. He's working the maggot chair, working with the bacher, working with me. We need to set our goals organized, and then he's going to be speaking to the bacher. So who is the person in the middle? What this case is needed right now is a case manager. That case manager will say, or a case leader, will decide what is the solutions, what are you going to do, and then if the girl has a problem, then that manager will speak to her. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, a lot of sense. Excellent. So what's now, when you'll call up the mother, you'll tell the mother, you know what, what's needed now? I need to speak to the therapist, maybe me or the therapist. Let's see if you could conference us in. Or and you'll tell your daughter, we're not saying yes, we're not saying no. We need one person to decide who you get it, when you get it, how well you have to do to get it, what are the goals. Maybe the therapist made up with her after four days, and she's already saying, yeah, well, I behave today. That's normal for kids to do. And therefore, you need a therapist who, or whoever's involved saying, no, we've got to wait three, four more days of this. Is uh-huh. that making sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. Excellent. So... Let me just share with you the positive of you calling in, let's say, this program because it's for awareness. But imagine if I wouldn't have that much experience, I would actually reply to you what I think should be done. Now, that further continues the splitting that's going on in this case. It means there's a therapist that's seeing her says one thing, the teacher says another, and now this outside person that you asked advice says a third opinion. And too many cooks will spoil the soup. So what's really needed is to get it focused, to get centralized. Who's speaking to the therapist? Just like you said, you're the Hebrew teacher, there's an English teacher. The teachers need to know what's going on. The therapist needs to be informed how she's doing at the Hebrew class, how she's doing in the English class. Do all of this make sense? Yes, yes. Excellent. So what you're getting from me is instead of a one direct answer, you're getting and information to centralize one person that's in charge. Uh-huh, yes. And then that person will make the decision, and if the girl's upset or happy, she'll deal with it. Now, Harav Nissen, what do you say when you have this many times? Several people working on a case. I think that, uh, as, as you know, as you said, you have to be one, one of them on top of the case, and... I know that, uh, and don't you know? The, I know that the parents involved is very important, but here uh, it's also just uh, be careful that it's too much involved with the parents. With, with it won't, it will hurt the girl. 
I think that uh, the girl need to find herself in as you said with the with the English teachers she's behave with the Hebrew teachers that the Yiddish teachers she's a little bit misbehave so it means that she's capable capable to 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 see what is good uh, what always always uh, always control the class and she try you she try to uh, try you uh, very strong and I think that uh, it's 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 a time that uh, All, all, all of you together will be on one policy and how to behave with this girl. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for calling in and the care that you're putting into your students, Metzeshem. May you be zayich to have wonderful, um, wonderful nachas from this student, from all the students that you have, Metzeshem, from your own family. Oh my, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. And we are going to go to the, another H, to H. Ms. H, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, wonderful. Thank you for asking. And um, I want to know, what could I do if sometimes I'm scared to be home alone? I have a lot of fears, but Baruch Hashem, I got over them, because I always say, like, okay, Hashem is watching you, you know, whatever. But I don't know why. It's one thing when I'm in my house, and, like, I hear, like, little noises. I think, like, a robber is coming in from the roof and from the sides and all over. I don't know why, but just in my house I have this scary feeling. Okay. So I'll just give you a little bit of information, food for thought, which means you can start your process of inner world, inner awareness with this. All right? So I'm not going to give you an answer to the question, because for that you've got to be a Navi. But I could sort of explain to you how the brain works, and then you might be able to do the next steps. So we have a logical part of the brain, which is very smart by you, as you're able to tell yourself, like, don't be afraid, there's no reason, Hashem is watching you, everything is okay. Then we have a feeling part of the brain, and that's the part that gives us emotions. When the feeling part of the brain tells us that it's afraid, it's nervous, it's sad, there are reasons for that. And it could be that something isn't going well in your day. It could be in the past that there were fears. could be of parents that are afraid. could be the people that you were once at night and things were scary for whatever reason. could be you might have always had a sister sleeping in your room and all of a sudden now you're alone in the room and you're just not used to that. For whatever reason, that's what we explore in therapy. Why? But we, we get an awareness is that when the subconscious, when the emotions are afraid, there's something that it's lacking. could be that you're missing a certain self-esteem. Could be, well, it could be a million things. Now, when you're able to, instead of knocking it away with the logic, which is important and it's good, means we have to have our logic to overrule our emotions. That is a very powerful tool in the cognitive behavioral therapy, and CBT is a very powerful tool. On the other hand, in CBT, we also help you identify what are the triggers, what happens, when is it. And that's something important for you to recognize. Don't think about why you're afraid to be alone in the house, but what are the feelings that are coming up? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of robbers? Are you afraid of something happening? Are you afraid people won't like you? What's the fear? It's that I'm just scared that, or like, let's say there's going to be a fire, or let's say a robber is going to come in and do something to me. But really, till now, I, when I was working on my fear of, like, talking to myself and always telling me things, but then now, because, and I stopped being scared for a while, but then it started the whole thing in Arthur's Law. I used to tell myself that, Look, it's not, it usually doesn't happen. Like, what's the chance that someone's going to come into your house? There's no, like, it's probably not going to happen. And why should I want that it should happen to you? But now, because it's happening in our salon, it's much more like scary things are happening. So now, I don't know what to tell myself. Like, I don't know what to think. Because, yeah, maybe something is going to happen, so I'm scared. 
Why? Why should anything happen? Continue the process. If that's what worked with you, continue it. Why should anything happen right here in America? Why? Why not? Because it could happen never, anywhere. So how did it work till now? Is it happening? You'll worry about it when it happens. Is it happening? It's not. The same way you're fighting it, you can tell yourself, I will be afraid when it starts happening, chas v'shalom, if it ever happens, chas v'shalom, it shouldn't. But right now it's not happening. I'm not, don't have to be afraid. Okay. Now, Thank just you realize, so that's much. the cognitive tool. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a different language here. I'm talking about if there's a reason that you're afraid, I want you to start going a little deeper. That's part of the awareness and the education that I hope to gain over here. Let's start listening. So I would ask you if you can take out a pen. We'll put you on hold, and we're going to get back to you. I'd like you to write down on a piece of paper, when you think you're alone, what you're afraid of. You're afraid of robbers. You're afraid of write down the fears that you're afraid of. And then what I'd like you to do is a little drop deeper. Once you write down, let's say, 10 to 15 fears, go, what's the underlying core? The underlying core is I don't feel safe by myself. I don't feel I'm protected. I'd like you to first make a list of five or ten things. We'll put you on hold, and we'll get back to you. Can you do that? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to read it because be, it... we're going to keep that private. And if it would be therapy, I might help you go into that. But I'd like you to first write a list of the fears. And then in the Gemara language, it's called a Tzad HaShav HaShavahem. What is a common denominator between these five or ten fears that you got? And you're going to, I'll help you identify them. And then we will take the next step. All right. Okay. Meanwhile, so, what any, we are going to be doing is we are going to be going to Mrs. D. One second. Mrs. Uh, D? Before, oh. before, just I want to say that if it's any case that you will drop out, call again, okay? Because the Yeah, if you get disconnected, whatever, just call back, okay? okay? Hello? Okay. Yes, hello, Mrs. D. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Yeah, hi. I'm a teacher in eight, uh, for 18 months, and I have a kid in my class that he cries the whole time. Um, I have somebody that works with me now in the morning, and he's very attached to her. He calls her mommy the whole day, but she leaves at 1 o'clock, and then I have someone coming, coming at 12, and I'm there the whole day, and he, he doesn't stop crying, and the mother complained a few times, and I told her that I'm going to do my best, but uh, it's still continuing what I'm supposed to do. So we're going over here with a question under the age of 8, 9, and I really don't address those no, questions. No, it's 18 months. 18 months. Is, is 18 months under the age of 8, 9 years old? I don't take questions under 8, 9 years old. These are parents. No, it's These babies, babies, you know? Exactly. So I need to teach you a skill how to deal with it. All I'll tell you is that it's very normal, especially if the mother comes in all the time. It's normal, and it's normal for a kid to attach and to connect to, to many adults and to call them Mommy, and there's a lot that might be going on, a lot might, that might not be going on. So we're trying to create awareness over here, and you're asking a very technical how-to-do question. So we don't take questions under the age of children, under the age of eight, nine years old. Mm, okay, thank you. All right? Yeah, thank okay. you. I appreciate you calling in. And the number to call to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718 683 5858. Okay, so let's go back to um, to Ms. H. Let's see if we got her on. No, she's not on yet. Oh, we got disconnected. Yes. Okay, so the number to call in is 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. And I'm going to read over you one of the questions that you sent me because. 
it's a question that we get over and over and over, and we're just going to continue to create the awareness. Now listen to this again. A family member of mine is very ill, yet he refuses any help. He does not share anything or ask for help. He and his family are falling apart. What's our role? We can't watch this going and do nothing. Do we mix in? Do we let him be on his own? And here's where the, since this is such a sarkonis nefashus pekuach nefesh question, the answer is you're going to be contacting either a rav or a therapist, and you guys are going to be paying the money for you to get professional guidance how to deal with it because it's so complicated and difficult. So I will explain, and we do this all the time. I get this so often. So many people call my office, and they usually hang up the minute I tell them this answer. And the question is, what do we do? We have a family member that doesn't want to go for help. And the answer is, you go for therapy yourself. There is a dance, just like every fire. Same thing is what we got to do here and now. You are giving the issue oxygen. You want to help. How many of your family members have tried helping them, getting involved, taking out their kishkas, then getting burnt, and saying, I'll never help anyone again? How many Askanim are out there? that they try to help, they want to get involved, and instead, all of a sudden, they're getting hurt. So let's understand it very, very simple. You want to know how to help? Either you get involved, and you get burnt, and you'll get hurt, and you'll be so upset, or you can do it the right way, where you can maybe help them. And that might be by getting guidance from someone that has experience, because the hardest people to help are those that don't want to get help. And many times when you're saying you can't watch the family fall apart, in my opinion, that's part of what you will learn during the process of helping them, that they might make unhealthy choices. They need to fall apart in order for them to learn how to be put together. means you can be there from the outside. You can suggest to help, but we cannot control. It's not within our power. And if you don't get the right guidance, helping might make it worse for them. You might actually be keeping the fire going. And what might also be happening is that you will be harming yourself and your family. So we're going to go to Ms. back to Ms. H. And Mrs. K, please hold on. We will get to you. So to Ms. H. Ms. H, hi. Here on with Mordechai. Yeah. So basically it's more that I'm scared of like a little bit of a fire and most times I'm scared that a robber is going to come in and like I think, but I'm not sure it's a robber, so like I start like getting ready that if a robber is going to come in, like what I'm going to do. Now what's the inner core? What is the core? What is the common denominator between scared of fire and fear of a robber? That I know that Hashem could do anything. So maybe, let's say, for a kapara fall that you did, or like anything, let's say any stories that happen, maybe it's going to happen so to me. Down. So you're not safe. You don't have the safety that everybody walks around with that feeling that Hashem is protecting me. No, you're so I don't know why, but outside I do. And then when I'm by, like, in, by myself let's in clarify, my house, let's and I don't. clarify your words. Hold on, Ms. H., let's clarify your words. Not outside logically you do, subconsciously, in your emotions you don't. Let's use the more technical terms this way you can understand which part. So in your brain-wise, smart-wise, you know you do. In your heart, you don't. Now let's try just a simple tool. If you can close your eyes and feel what it's like to have a guarantee from Hashem that He will protect you no matter what. You can be in the worst neighborhoods and you feel the light of Hashem, Malach, and whatever you choose. What do you choose to imagine that Hashem is telling you, I will watch you and I will protect you? Mm-hmm. What can you imagine? What will give the reassurance in your heart, in your subconscious, that Hashem is watching you and you are protected no matter where you are? 
I don't know because no, 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 you know, no, no, no. I'm time. not asking you to. I know that. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. You're still thinking with your logic brain. Feel your emotions. What would give you a feeling of safety? Elio, another watching you. Not logical. We're not talking about to the logical. We're not talking to the logical brain now. What I could think that would make me feel safe? Yes, but don't make it logical. Something magical. Um. What would give you the inner security that you think? Oh, with that, I feel safe. Could be you have your parents next to you. Could be you have a. No, it's just you. like if I. It's like if I know that Hashem promised me that he's not, that nothing, that I'm not going to see anything as bad. Because right, I know that whatever he eyes, does is good. Close your eyes a moment and picture how Hashem is telling you everything will be okay. You will not see anything bad. So then I feel really good. Good. Now close your eyes. You just thought it. It was too quick for you to actually feel it. I want you to feel in your heart how your body is now relaxing. You feel safe. I want you to picture yourself, let's say, in a house alone. And you have that feeling, Hashem telling you to, I want you to feel it. Okay. How does it feel? Very calm. Good. Now imagine yourself in the house again. Imagine yourself where there's a fire all around and you're completely protected by Hashem so you can walk through the fire. You're easy. You're not afraid. Hashem promised you and guaranteed it. Whatever, I feel very, like, safe and good. Excellent. Very good. And now what I'd like you to do next week is if you can just call up and just tell us how you felt throughout the week, if it was a lot easier and a lot calmer, or did it completely disappear. All right? Hey, Merit Hashem. Merit Hashem, thank you. Thank you so, so much. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's an honor and a plus. Great. And we are going... You go to Mrs. K. Just before we go, the number to call in to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858. And we're going to go, Mrs. K. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for all that you're doing, mm-hmm. um, especially your book and your parenting course. I gained a lot from it. I'm honored. And um, I appreciated last week's question from a teacher. Yes. Um, she asked how to implement positive peer pressure. Yes, yes. Okay. So I, I'm also a teacher. I also teach. And I actually took the advice. Um, mm-hmm. And I did a project with my students. And I greeted them as 40% is going to working well with your partner. And it was amazing to see the way they concentrated mostly on that. Good. And Let's it was a beautiful so a teacher project. And said, how do we get positive? So the question was, how do we get kids stop focusing on the marks, being so competitive, it wasn't on the marks, being so competitive and start helping each other. And what the recommendation was is to sort of start focusing on class participation interacting one with the other, how much did each one help or question the other one. And the more you, and you also mark those, we see a big step, a big positive. Right. Great. So now how have um, you utilized those? Tell me, please, what? here's some details. What did you do? What I did, I made a rubric, mm-hmm. um, 10% on good handwriting, 40% on, well, um, working well with your partner, that everyone gives advice 
and ideas and everyone actually works along. Mm-hmm. And then I gave points also for giving it in on time. Mm-hmm. And then on the content of, of the project. Yeah. And it was it was really fabulous. So tell me, tell um, me the detail. What changed? As I, everything was done in class, and it was extremely positive, and it's a very competitive class, and they, they're teenagers, and they, um, uh, my question is also on bullying. So they are um, signs of bullying in the class, and it was amazing to see the way the language changed. They were just Thank aware you. of what Music they were saying. Thank you. to my ears. Just one time, putting in a little bit of positive participation between each other, Boy, do we see a change all over, yes, and in the bullying. Very true. Yes. And another, um, another positive that I saw that was I told them that we need to get things from the secretaries. I said every group should think of one way to thank her after they get their stuff. And yes. it was amazing the way they all did it. Beautiful. And I would even add on one more recommendation that how to thank a teacher. And you'll tell them it's not because of me that I'm a teacher that I won't thank you. It's because we want to learn to appreciate our parents and to learn the people that deal with us, you know, face-to-face. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Can I ask a question? Go ahead. Hi. um, The question is like this. I'm bullying. So the prevention part, I think I got the way... um, to bring in a lot of focus and how to how to work well and partnerships and group the girls together accordingly. Um, the girls that are that they not their friends basically, not only friends. And um, but the thing is, when the bullying actually happened, how do I stop it? So Should I, I stop it in public? Should I them? I'd like to share with you a little bit of disappointment that I had, and you'll help me out. We had a lot of questions from teachers, and I wanted to do a, just like I do the parenting workshops, I wanted to gear a workshop for teachers. And in the summer, I was looking forward to that. Exactly. The minute I started setting it up, you know what was the first message I started to get from teachers? Can you please get the school to pay for it? Can you please get funding for that? Before you know it, everyone that was interested, everyone wants me to do the work, and you can't. I was not able to do that. And all of a sudden, that's where it went. So your question about bullying is about a two- to three-hour information. That's like where you don't deal with the parenting. I can give you some little bits of advice, but sometimes it mm-hmm. hurts me because I wanted to put together the class. I wanted to do it, but there also has to be a price for me, for me to put in all those hours of work and plus everything that gets into it. And the minute it came, it's like so many other things that people just like everything for free. And the minute, you know, it's so, I can give you the little version, but like a question like that hurts me because I really feel I would love to put together a workshop for teachers and for Rebellion. So, mm-hmm. maybe I will do it anyhow and just see whoever wants to sign up. Then, you know, if the schools won't pass, I would sign up first. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I would like to know if I could do any research on my own, read a book or any recommendations. So I don't recommend anything over here or even much to my clients, because in our from world, if I make a recommendation and some cousin's uncle's grandmother didn't like it, next thing I get calls from Rabbanim telling me that I am sending people off the Derech Vishalom and letting them recommend non-Jewish books. So mm-hmm. usually what I'd recommend is look for Abizalek Pliskin, look for Dr. Tversky, which they're from people, 
and you know, see if they have any of the books out there that you can find. But that's the difficulty. I especially do not recommend on air, where there's a huge mm-hmm. variety of places, and okay, people sometimes mistake that. my recommendations. So that's just some of my limitations. So let's just go back to the concept of bullying. If there's a bullying issue going on, understand that the bully many times is in, is in pain, and their only survival mode is to attack. And the one getting bullied needs to also learn how to defend themselves. So it's got to be a two-level solution, one focusing on the bully, one focusing on the one that is bullied. Because if the one that is bullied does not learn how to defend themselves, yes, maybe you took care of this bully, but what about other stuff when they get pushed around? They need to learn how to ask for help. They need to learn how to set up a team. They need to learn how to inform the people in charge if it's getting better. The same thing with the bully. The bully needs to be taught skills on how to deal with difficulties, needs to learn other skills if they are hurt. Many times the one that gets bullied might say or have done something that it's not worked out. So you need to speak to them one-on-one. And there's an entire process on how to do that that I'd like to share, but it's not enough for the awareness now. Mm-hmm. Yeah? All right, yeah. so the idea is speak to each one individually, find out what's going on, find out what their needs are. The bully, you want to be able to see how can you get your needs in a gentler way, and the one that's getting bullied, how can you learn to defend yourself? Yeah, but um, just one question. Uh, what happens if I witness it? Let's say I'm out in the yard or I'm near recent time and I witness All right, witness, so this is, not, uh, this is now a thing, how do I put a kid to sleep? They're not wanting to go to sleep. This is a skill like, program, uh, which uh, is so why the teachers need to be and their obeying needs. Right. This is the information implemented. See what doesn't go well. Now we go uh-huh. the second week. Well, that, that didn't work. That's what I'm saying. The information is not a one-time thing. It's about right. skills-based. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Thanks so I'm sorry I can't answer that question, but at least you got some idea what's happening. Yeah, and thank you for all you're doing. You're welcome. Excellent. So we're going to go to Mrs. Z, but before we go to Mrs. Z, we got a text that I thought it's funny, but it's sad, and I could see it's so true in so many places. Questions as follows. The man downstairs doesn't like noise. I have three kids. He bangs up with the broom. Kids are kids. Help. What do I do? I can so see that. I was once in a house where, we'll just say the family where I was at, they're immigrants. means they weren't from, uh, let's say, from New York. And the family that was on the second floor was an older couple, and they also banged with a broom. And I found it so funny, and it was interesting to see that the family were, we were by that night or two, they took it as a joke, which means the more times they banged with a broom, so they banged three times, and they would jump six times on the floor to make it go loud. Uh, this was the funniest thing ever. And I'm thinking, oh, hey, a person's banging, or stop, and they're like laughing, banging, and then it was like a whole fun, like we're just jumping on there, and they're coming up. It was, it was just a whole concept. <laughs> but uh, one, of the cons- one of the stuff, the simple answer is go down to them and start discussing it with them. Discuss it, say, look, we got kids. This is what we do. I understand you want a different type. How can we work it out? What's the calmness? What? What can we do that you can be calm? Maybe certain hours. I know sometimes some family members would say where they learn to play an instrument, a piano, violin, and the neighbors complain. So they sometimes do, okay, we won't practice after 8 o'clock. We won't do certain things. Um, listen, yes. what do you say to the story with the broom spanking you know, up? I, I, w- I want to tell you that uh, 
and me as as a kid we had yeah. we used to have a neighbor that she couldn't sleep at night and she used to have carry clogs you know the, the, sh- the wooden shoes yeah but walking and it was crazy two o'clock one o'clock and she's just walking and we decided to basically to walk uh, against it <laughs> so yeah. we were sitting we take the broom and every time she walk we just bang again you know and it's like become like a funny uh funny situation a game a, a game like. a game and she got the message <clears throat> she got the message that's all true but i want to say that about the people that uh, happened you know many times if the, if To ask this neighbor if what happened if this is his kids what happened if this is that feel you know maybe giving that uh, as kind of uh, belonging that to see that you know I know that a lot of time with construction you can drill the wall and everybody you know the neighbor can get banana or crazy but if you drill for his house for his uh, job is a piece for me for him it's music it's really music for him And I think that uh, the kids running uh, on the on the floor and on it's something that uh it's music for the parents and it's it's uh, it's annoying uh, music for that neighbor but I think that try to work together with a neighbor I know that this question already a few months uh, on on the board even in the in the other shows and I think that the best way is to do it. I know that sometimes I old people don't have the patience and unfortunately that's they have to live with this that's right and for us to also realize that when we get older we start noises affect us a lot more I mean sometimes they don't hear that well but sometimes on the other hand the nerves are a lot more raw so if someone starts yelling and banging when they need a little bit of quiet or they finally get to sleep which is so hard for them to fall asleep and then that noise wakes them up and They could now be up for five, six hours, so we might not realize how we are affecting older people and how their senses or their needs are a little different than ours is. So it could be actually what to you might be like, I'm just jumping, what's the big deal? It's a huge big deal to them. Here we have someone that sent us another message. My neighbor upstairs asked me to bang with the broom whenever the noise gets too loud. We both have young kids. This way, her kids know their limit. And I rarely bang up, though. So let's recognize, here sometimes people even ask to be banging up. This way they could say, you see, the neighbors downstairs are complaining. I find it very cute, actually, what goes on by us over here in Brooklyn. I think it's adorable <laughs> with banging with the brooms. Yeah, that's yeah. true. The front porch is some... some uh, <laughs> Apartment with a sheet rack, so you can see also in this one. <laughs> still That's right. Now we know why they are holding the sheet rack. Yeah. We're probably wondering, how did that happen? Yeah. Okay. Very good. We're going to go to Mrs. Z. Mrs. Z, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, my question is, um, I recently have been coming across this, uh, comments that uh, I... present myself as a strong person that uh, every time I go uh, to substitute in school or if I'm sitting among friends or if I'm talking to my family uh, I state my opinion in a very strong manner which I don't feel it but it seems that the other party that listening listening to me um, I sound to them very harsh or very strong or very opinionated, and this is 
playing against me. They're not helping me um, to keep uh, relations going on. Sure, um, sure, that makes sense. So, yeah. uh, and the problem is I don't feel it, and I think about what I'm saying in order not to hurt the people. I'm not saying it to hurt them. It's often for because I feel for them and I want to help them, but the message gets out wrong. Yes. So I don't know if I can get any advice how to help myself with that. Sure. One of the ways of getting advice are those people that told you that you sound that it's too serious or too strict. Mm-hmm. Then what you do is you actually ask them, are they willing to practice with you a little? Role play is the best way. Say, let's try speaking, or I want to speak, or I want to say something. Okay, that's interesting. And you practice it, and you can just... I had a client, or many times I do like their role play, I go, how are you doing, Baruch Hashem? I said, oh my gosh, that Baruch Hashem sounds so attackative. Let's right. try it differently. If you mean Baruch Hashem, say it. So they might not... Not they, we humans, we don't hop. We have a part of our brain that's a filter that's meant to protect us, that we shouldn't see everything. Mm-hmm. And therefore, while you might think you're soft, gentle, caring, and you might be... But your language or your body language might be different that you're not even aware of. So right. someone will tell you, smile a little more. Straighten out your words. Instead of saying no, say, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Just little practices, little shifts, and then and it changes. And what about if I'm giving my opinion about something? Like, for example, with my daughter-in-law, sometimes she says something, and I think there's a better way to do it, and I just say it, but of course, or in a very respectful way, but it seems the feedback that I'm getting back, that she's kind of scared from me. So, so let's, stop, is... let's stop a second. Hold on. Now, what I want you to realize is the other way around. When mm-hmm. you just said you did it in a very respectful way, I'd like you to be aware that it might not have been in a respectful way, because it's not just one person, several people are telling you that you're right. too strict. Right. So understand... When you just said it's in a respectful way, what, you would li- what I'd like you now to realize is it was very likely not in a respectful way. Okay. And now you're going to learn how to do it in a respectful way. Okay. So, it re- so uh, let's understand, we all have a filter. It means I walk around and I have weaknesses, but my brain will distort those weaknesses so this way I shouldn't feel too hurt. Right. And this is everyone. Now, how do we know when we've got, when we need to change, when we start getting that for feedback, when we start getting the messages from people, it was tougher, although we think it was gentle and simple, but Mm -hmm. if we get feedback, it's not, so what we need to change the words are, not that I did it in a respectful way, I thought it was respectful, but now that I'm getting information from others, I know it was not respectful. Now, can you help me realize what wasn't respectful? That's how you walk over to the friend person. I would not recommend you do it with your daughter-in-law because there's going to be a lot of triggers. But I would recommend if you have any friends that tell you, you know you're tough or you're too strict that you think just means you're a little more assertive. No, no, no. Ask, okay, so let's practice. When I have a conversation with you, I'd like you to to point that out, to illustrate it where I am that way. Identify it, and then even let's practice how I can say it gentler. You want her to make you aware, and you want to practice that. If they're not that good at it or they're not able to do that, that's where you might have a life coach. I'm not even telling you to go to a therapist. Practice with a life coach. Right, I see. I'm so the goal is for you to recognize that your filter has filtered out, that you see yourself as gentle and inside you are, but somehow your mannerism is not. And that's what we want to identify. Harav Nissen, what do you say to this? All right. 
Um, so, is that clear, by the way? Yes, yes. I'm going to try yeah. to work on it. And this coaching and asking my friends to, like, practice with me or to point out where, where I am sounding too strong or too tough or That's whatever. Right. So maybe I'll be and able it, to mm-hmm. recognize myself and then work around it. That's right. And I also want you to recognize you might be even using the right word. It's just your tone. Right. Like, Definitely. are you upset? Yes. No. Yes, like, I you, but it was too tough. I so see. it might just be a body language that needs to change. Okay. Or okay, you might be you using even the, you know, the right words. I have to think about it, but there's such attitude. Or mm-hmm. there could be, you might be doing the right tone. I have to think about it, but your facial expressions made a different concept. So that's what we, do. we just want to recognize. Okay. Thank you very All much. Right. I appreciate it. We had time. one of our Thank listeners you. that actually reminded me and made a suggestion that for the teacher that asked about bullying, and we have here another message, how do you deal with someone that's a bully if they're a husband? Well, that's already a lot more detailed, but we have a program on my phone line, which is a free phone line, and the number is 718-683. I'm sorry, 718-298-2011, 718-298-2011. In Section 1, I have Shiram like different programs, which is basically information with Makairis and the Yiddish sources to it. And number 55 is dealing with bullies. I have there an hour program, How to Deal with Bullying. But again, I want to clarify for all those teachers, all those parents that are looking for hands-on skills, I explain the ideas, I explain the concepts, I explain what will or what needs to be done. But to recognize, it's not in the place of someone actually teaching you, working you through the steps one at a time. All right, we are going to go to Mrs. S. Mrs. S., you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. I'm sorry, I wasn't uh, on the air before. I, uh, oh, that's okay. To, yeah, I no, was going to ask I, I was, you, what do you... Mm-hmm. I was on the, the phone line with other... Oh, okay. Uh, okay, great. So I still wonder, what would you say that this lady basically said that she is a soft person on the inside and she thinks she's a soft person on the outside, but she's getting feedback from people that she's a little bit too strong. So my short recommendation is to be aware that when you get that feedback from others, that many times you're not aware that you are sounding strong. So to do a little role play, like practice with a friend that tells it or how to say it gentler. So she might have the right words. She might even have the right tone, but maybe body language is different. But to be aware that, yes, she is coming out stronger. And she even mentioned, like, her daughter-in-law gets affected by that. So that was my thoughts. But I, think, I, think I know you deal with a lot of people. I was wondering what's your thoughts. I think this is very, very important, especially when we're dealing with a daughter-in-law, not our children, and any any other people that is not our, even our sibling, our, you know, that when, uh, first of all, what I heard from her accent, she's not uh, local, you know, she's not American, yeah. and could be that this happened to us, to me. I'm Israeli, you know, I'm talking a little bit loud, and you know me. Yeah. And sometimes I get a little bit of excitement and people thinking that I'm angry. And it's not true. This is, the, the um, uh, I would say, the different geographic uh, uh, mentality. You yeah. know, some, some uh, nation talking a little bit loud, then others, you know, somebody with a, with a body language, that, you know, with the end and all this stuff around it. So the translation of the other person, is, it could be total, 100% the opposite. And it can be happen with our children, with our uh, 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 in-laws, with, with everybody, you know, that doesn't understand what, 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 where we come from, you know. And this is, a, as you said, it's better, better to practice and to look at other people, how they're talking, you know. 
This is very important. I happen to agree with you on very on a very strong point that what you mentioned is culture. Many times people from different cultures they get accused or people speak to them that they're that they're too cold or they're too warm and that's really how they do it. So for an example, I know many times when I deal sometimes with shalom bias issues and they go, Your parents are so cold your parents can't do anything. We have to do everything for them. And we're talking about people in their 50s, so their parents are in the 70s. And then I start asking, tell me about where your parents are from, like your in-laws. And go, oh, they're European. My parents are American. Yes, it was a very big different culture. Those Yidin that came from Europe right after the war, the European cu- uh, culture is that the parents raise them, give you everything. And then when the parents get older, you go there all the time, and you do almost everything for them. While the American culture is when you're getting older, I'll do it on my own. You want to do it on your own. You don't want the kids to be there or to help you. And the European culture is a lot more. You come over much of Shabbos, you come over every Shabbos for Chalant or for a little flay, like you come to the grandparents the whole time. The grandparents give you a little candy, do this or that, and then you go, it's a different mentality. And many times, culture plays a large component when you want to show love or you want to show power to assertiveness and love in one culture might seem as controlling and abusive in another. And that's a very good point. Okay, so we'll go to Okay, Mrs. we're going to go to S. Mrs. S. Mrs. S, you're on with Mordechai, and the number to call in is 718-683-5858, Hello? Yes. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for your program. You're welcome. Um... I'm very close with someone, and recently she was discussing with me that she has a new diet. So I was asking her what a new diet is, and she was saying that since she's overweight and she doesn't eat the whole entire day, she only eats at night, from about 6, 7 o'clock at night. That's when she starts to eat. Yeah. And I told her that... Like, I don't know, I didn't like the whole idea Just of her concept. Just give me a rough idea. Your age. Your age is between, 10 and, uh, between 15 and 20, 20 and 30, 30 and 40. 20 and 30. Okay. And your friend's age? Is also this age. Okay. I would say, like, I would give an example. It's like, let's say it's, a, it's not a sister, but let's say I would call her that this person is my sister. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I was telling her that she sounds like a little bit like anorexia, like you don't want to eat and you don't want... And she was saying, no, like, because since I eat at night, like, she eats a normal supper. So I told her, but you have to eat 2,000 calories. So she says, well, my supper consists of 2,000 calories. And also on Friday and Shabbos, she does eat, um, she does eat throughout the day. And then she was also saying that there's written in a cipher that... Sometimes if you have, like, a very bad middle, that you should go to the other extreme. So let's stop a second. Let's go to your question. What's your question? Because you're telling me all the systems you're telling her, and I hear all her denials and all her blacks. What's Basically, I had an argument with her, and I told Good, her Good, I don't need all information. She, so now what's your question? Give me your question. I was saying that she sounds like anorexia. I got it. I got it. Not. I got it. What's your question? We got it. You're saying she sounds like she's anorexic. You're, she's saying she's not. What's your question now? I want to hear your opinion about it. Well, my opinion is it's none of your business. You cannot help someone that doesn't want to get helped. So when she wants to talk about what, you, what is within your right is to say, I believe you're having an eating disorder. I'm not a professional. 
but I get triggered when I hear you speak about that. So please, with me, you cannot discuss food or suppers or anything like that. Okay. We don't have a power or a choice others, and we cannot have them change, especially in such as now. That's what I'm saying. I don't even want to hear the back and forth. People want to send me clients all the time. What I tell them is if you need help, if you're the healthy one, we discussed this earlier on the program, if you're the healthy one and you have someone that's in denial or blocking and you get triggered, you're the one that goes for therapy how to deal with it. The idea is not to get involved. You will see how people with eating disorders, they're looking for attention. Do not discuss how good she looks. Do not discuss, oh, you look too skinny to me. Don't feed it. Not negative or not positive attention. Nothing. Not the weight and not her food. Let's talk about everything. Let's talk about politics. Let's talk about what you're going to wear tomorrow. Let's talk about the wedding. Do not discuss if someone looks skinny or fat. If she says, oh, that person's so fat, so skinny, you, go, you know something? Again, you went into that fat, skinny topic. I don't talk about that. Can we talk about something else? Or no, I don't want to pick up your phones. Or I don't pick up your phones because, well, you talk about that. You're not going to change her. You're not. And it's not your job to change her. It's just going to take over your day and your night. That's the awareness. Even therapists, when they go to therapists, those when they're confronting the person, you're being direct, you have to know how to do it. You're not trained, okay. you're not skilled, and she's not willing to listen to you. So stop doing that role. But by not giving her the oxygen to her fire to burn, it won't go. People with eating disorders need your feedback. They need it as well. If you don't give them the feedback, it stops it. You don't tell them you look so good. You don't tell me you look so scary. That's also feeding it. So what are you hearing from this? Yes, I hear what you think. What do you hear? That we shouldn't that I shouldn't tell her anything about it. That we uh -huh. shouldn't discuss like Yeah. And discuss what do you think will change by her if she can't if she can't discuss it with you? What, let's be clear. What's, what you're hearing is that it could be a lot, a lot stronger, right? It could be a lot more deeper, and you're not qualified and trained. But if you don't feed it, it changes. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Great. So don't get Thank into that trap. Much. You're very welcome. We're going to go to, who do we have? Is that Ms. B? Well, that was Ms. B that we just had. All right, we can take a question or comment now, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And I would like to say we got over your beautiful message for that woman that called up about that people are telling her she's too tough. Good for that woman for asking how to be softer. Her daughter-in-law is very lucky that she recognizes and is trying to change. And you know something, that is a huge positive that I would like to highlight that someone that is able, that is older in an authority position of like a father-in-law, mother-in-law, father, mother, and they're hearing information about themselves that bother them a little, or that they might need to change, and instead of saying, I'm in charge, chutzpah for speaking to me that way, saying, maybe I do have an issue, let me ask, let's find out. If I'm hearing it from several people, I don't need to attack others. Maybe it really is me. Doesn't that sound amazing that someone is able to do that? I find it's a huge Kiddush Hashem. And I found the fact that you're able to call up and offer that is also 
demonstrating to others that are adults, saying, yes, I can change. Yes, it is possible. Uh, Mordechai, I, I got here a text uh, very interesting about uh, talking about the demographic. And uh, what the question like this, my, uh, my mother doesn't want me to help her, and it's in the, on the air else, and it's hurt me a lot. What shall I do? And uh, this is also something that, you know, pride, uh, older people are pride. Yeah, that's right. And Arvindisa, what would you say to something like that? I said that try to, to, I would say, try to talk with a friend of the mother and try to come close, that coming from a different direction. Because uh, parents don't like that the kids will tell them, oh, like become, you know, I know that the mentality, again, the American mentality or the Israeli mentality, that we don't like to be dependent on our kids. That's or right. Like this. So I would say that I recommend to go and talk with a friend of the mother and try to convince maybe that she can can go you know to 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 check up and stuff like this. Let but me share with you a magnificent story that I was laughing um, when I travel in every day on the bus from Lakewood to Brooklyn. Um, it must have been in L time where someone tells me his 92 year old father was finally willing to put on a hearing aid, and he asked him, "Tao, what happened? We're fighting with you for years that you're not hearing." And all of a sudden, you're willing to put it on. He says, I used to tease my father. You're 86. You're worried to get shot in fire. Shidduch, what are you worried about? So the father tells him, Nah, you don't understand. He says, I was looking outside, and he said in Yiddish, Ali in enhancement hearing aids. They all had the Bluetooth pieces. And he saw all the young guys are going with it. He says, it's not a problem. Everyone goes with hearing aids today's days. <laughs> and the fathers had no problems. Now the yeah. father got, you know, got, got hearing aids, and he's able to hear because all the young guys are going with hearing aids today. It was just so cute, the culture, that when the father sees a 92-year-old man, sees young guys going with it, now it's okay to go with it. That's very nice. Okay, we'll I thought that was a funny story, something that, like, again, culture, different generations, go ahead and explain a Bluetooth earpiece. Yeah. You know, the first time I went with a Bluetooth, people thought that I'm crazy. I'm talking to myself, you know, walking in the street and talking to myself. And the parrot is, is hiding my Bluetooth, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. really a different generation. So yeah. we, we have Miss B. Miss B. On the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello? Yes, hello. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, thank you for asking, and how are you? Good. Um, I called him last week about a class situation where there's a girl that um, she's not being so nice, and you told me to go over to her and um, be really nice to her and ask her, um, like, ask her if there's any way that I can help, and I made sure to use the correct tone and all the correct words, and all she did was get all offended, and she told the whole class and really embarrassed me. Oh, wow. And what did she do? What did she say? She just, she, she's like, why are you telling me what to do? And I told her, I'm trying to be your friend, and, like, I don't mean to be so mean to you. And she goes, um, well, I'm going to tell everyone what you did, and da 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 and then she just started screaming. Okay. So now let's try the next level. The next level, what we want to aim to do is we want to be able to now set up two or three friends that can be your friends and that you will speak to them that if this girl says something, they will come to help you or say, hey, please don't talk about her. Do you have any two friends that will, like, defend you, can be good friends with you, that will watch you? Yeah. 
good. So you're so you'll speak to them, and whenever this girl wants to start up with you, ask them if they could like you'll call them over and you'll say, Bracha, please come here, or Libby, please come here. You'll be able to mention those, and they'll come right over. And you say they'll be telling her, What do you want from her? Okay, you want to start building up a little protection. So first, it was very brave of you to go over to her. Now the next step is, since we see she's not someone that can understand or she's not willing to listen, then start building up your protection. You think you can try that? But she has the whole entire class, and she also has a class queen on her side. That's right. That's what it looks like, and that's why what we want to get is we just want to get two girls, two more girls on your side. You'll see when there are three girls together how powerful it is and how the entire place changes. You'll see how the whole class changes. I have a lot, like I said, I have a lot of friends, and I told them about it. And so then we started to do things, and we made this, like, little, like, not, like, really a club, but, like, a little smooth at the corner of the classroom. And so then they all started whispering and everything, like, oh, yeah, and, like, and they just started being more nasty. Just to you or to all the girls that were with you? It's mostly me, and then they just need to do to the other girls. Otherwise, I'll feel stupid, so they just do it to the other girls. Mm-hmm. So part of what's needed now is to get the teachers involved a little. I think we need a little bit more help now. Yeah, now, I told like, the principal and two teachers. Yeah, and what are they doing with it? What are they doing about it? The principal just said, um, okay, I'll take care of it, da, da, da. and then the, the teachers just uh, come to me in a week with an update, and the other teacher said that she's going to try to do something about it. But that was a really long time ago. Right. So it's more now when your parents have to start getting involved. It means there's only so much that we can help out over the phone. The rest needs now an approach how to deal with it. And usually teachers and principals have. So what should, the next step was really your parents should be making a meeting with the principal and discuss with them what are we going to do. Okay? And it's not only, it's not only based around me. It's like they're really, really nasty to another kid. Like they make fun I of her. It. I agree with you. I'm not denying it. I'm not denying it. I'm saying it's very, very true. And I'm saying the schools know how to deal with it. You're not the first one to say that. We've got 30 seconds to go, so I'm going to need to hang up now. And I feel bad because you're in so much pain. What I'm saying is, again, the recommendation is you have your parents. Now call up the principal and make a meeting and maybe with a teacher. So it's after school hours when you'll have the teacher, you, the principal there, and to be able to deal with it. Okay, thank okay. you. Have a good night. You're very welcome. Good night. And thank you. And thank you, Benjamin, for another amazing program. Thanks for having me. It's an honor and a schuss. And for all our listeners that were listening, without you guys, we would not be having this program. Thank you all, and have a wonderful week.